Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector GP podcast. I'm your host, Buna GP, joined as always by my co-host, Elisa, who you can follow on Twitter at Elisa Vida and myself at Buna GP underscore. This week, we are back with a bang, ready for Silverstone and ready for the return of MotoGP. Elisa, looking forward to it? Absolutely. Like, I was just looking at the calendar. I was like, I can't believe Silverstone is this week. Like, it, it, it felt like yesterday when, when the whole season ended. So, thankfully, the summer break has gone on fast by and I'm, I'm really excited for MotoGP to come back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of felt like forever but at the same time it has I, I get what you're saying it's 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 almost like summer break and next thing you know we're already talking about it being this week um obviously silverstone is now at the start of august as opposed to it regularly being at the end of august um so it's kind of weird to be coming back from a summer break and it being silverstone because i'm used to it being on the cusp of what was Mazzano aragon whereas now we're having it before austria so we've still got austria to come We've still got India to come, which we don't know if that's actually going to happen because there's regular logistics being argued and fended off in court at the minute with with India. So we still don't know if that's going to happen. But in terms of Silverstone, is there anything you're looking out for in particular as a kind of maybe somebody that's underperformed at the beginning of the year and you think is going to come back with a bang or somebody you think's kind of hit their peak and maybe everyone who's kind of been under the radar and going to be up to scratch do you think there's anybody that might kind of sizzle out coming back into the into the paddock uh, to be honest i think when i think of silverstone at first i was thinking about alex rins but obviously we have had the news that he won't come back uh silverstone yet so we're gonna have Iker Lekona replacing him but silverstone was the place i was expecting to see alex rins perform well or what he could do probably on the Honda after after especially after you know Circuit of the Americas. So I'm I'm a bit bummed that he won't be uh, <clears throat> won't be here for that. But honestly after that I think we really have to look for the Yamahas and especially Fabio because Silverstone is a track where he has won before and I think that's somewhere he could perform. But obviously with the state of the Yamaha they have done well, they haven't done well. It's eh, it's a, it's a mixed back, yeah. yeah. So you never know, but I, I would still put more money into Yamaha's performing better on this track than not. Well, I'm going to not say anything on that matter because I will jinx it. So what I might jinx, and I'll just come out and say it, I, I think the first thing that comes to my mind with Silverstone, looking at it objectively on this year's form, previous year's forms, rider-specific form, is Aprilia. I think Maverick obviously has won around Silverstone in the past and has always done well around Silverstone in the past on whatever bike he's been on. You've got Aleish, who scored Aprilia's first podium at, at Silverstone. This is a bike that this was pre-2022 that I think we can all agree on. 2022 was the best form of Aprilia. So seeing them on the podium in 2021 kind of speaks volumes on where they are at at that circuit. And we're talking about a manufacturer that the beginning of the season has not been where they expect. So I can imagine that they, if anyone is going to come back with a bang, so to speak, and kind of hit the ground running, I do genuinely think Aprilia have got their best chance of showing their true form at Silverstone because some of it's been bad luck. Some of it, you could say is bad luck from a rider's point of view, but maybe it's Aprilia, you know, not being up to scratch. But I think... Obviously, every team will be looking like your, your Hondas, Aprilia's, Yamaha will be looking 
to come to Silverstone and up their game. But I think looking at it from the outside in, I think Aprilia have got the best chance of being up there with Ducati and KTM. Sadly enough, I don't think Honda and Yamaha will be up there because that to me is, you know, not just Fabio and not just Mark saying that Honda and Yamaha will be back up there. I think as a whole, I think Aprilia will do do really well around around Silverstone. So fingers crossed for that. Any initial you wanna be you wanna be really bold and make any initial podium predictions at all in any class? Anyone you oh. think might be on the podium. I'm going to say I think Jake Dixon will be on the podium. Whether he'll win or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I do but think now, he'll be on the podium. definitely have jinxed it, you know, for his home yeah. GP and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, um, I think I think your Aprilia shout is good. I'm never betting on Maverick. He might win it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm never betting on him. But um, I would say I think the podium is going to be Pego is going to win it. Beseki is going to be second and I think Aleish is going to be third. I think that's a good place. I think Aleish might do well at Silverstone as well. As you said, he did get the podium before, and I think he's a he's, mm. he's he could lead a pretty now. But I, but I says Maverick can win. I'm not saying no, but I think you know I'm not predicting him to do anything. So that I w- I won't be disappointed in that way. I think as an outside shout, I don't think it's an outside shout. Actually, thinking about it, but maybe from what you've just said, and. On normal MotoGP conversation in the last two years, it would be completely fine in him going under the radar. But I do genuinely think that my predicted winner will be Jorge Martin. Because this is what I mean. The last two years, I would get him not being on a podium prediction for any race. Not because I don't think he's good enough, but because there are riders that on form have been better. Over a full season have been better and... You know, he's not going to make every podium prediction every week. Peko, at the minute, is, isn't he? For If you made a podium prediction for India, your first thing is Peko will probably win. If he doesn't win, he'll be second or third. Jorge Martin, the last two years, has been, you know, ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. I think Jorge Martin is my predicted winner at the minute. Um, it's It's not that crazy, you know? You know, we have these riders exactly. with Veseki with and Martin who have been on a, on a good role. And I think that's an interesting thing coming after the summer break, you know, see how long they can, as satellites, riders sustain this title pressure and how, how consistent they actually can be, you know, after after the start of the season, you know, it's been better. But but honestly, it's crunch time after, after the summer break. So, so you know, that's, that's where they are measured. So I, I'm really excited to see, you know, if they can come on top of Bagnaya and even which of which of them will perform better because I think it's inevitable that one of them is gonna slip and fall down. Like I I don't think all of the three of them are gonna stay in it for the end of the year. Interesting claim. I mean, I think looking back into Silverstone and, and viewing it as a, a way back in for these riders to, to sort of put their mark down and start this charge. I look at riders like Marquez, I look at riders like Quattararo. I also look at Bastianini, who's really got to put his his foot down and mm. solidify his spot because, as obviously, it's not Bastianini's fault because of him being injured. But this game is ruthless, and if he has, let's say, five races since coming back from injury, and out of those five races, he's not on the podium, 
I can it's... honestly see them switching him. I actually can, and I, I wouldn't want that for him because he he deserves he deserves a full opportunity at the Factory Ducati team. But you've got Bezeki and Martin that are just snapping at his heels with the results they're coming out with. That you either have to move. Look at the end of the day, if if let's say Bastianini was thirty eight and retiring next year. You're still going to have somebody unhappy because Pizzecchi or Martin, two don't go into one. So one of them is going to be unhappy. And as we're recording this, as we said just before recording, there has been no news. There has been no news in terms of rider transfer within Ducati and KTM and Honda and stuff like that. So we are sort of sitting here guessing what we think will happen or what might happen. And then tomorrow something might be different. But... I, for me, think that if Bastianini doesn't win this year, he's got a good chance of not being there next. An interesting take. I'll still think Ducati would be shooting themselves in that foot in the terms of, you know, throwing away a rider after I agree. one that's been injured. So I think it's it wouldn't be a good look for them. But I think when I think of Bastianini coming back from injury, you know, it just reminds me a bit of like, well, like we saw this with Franco Morbidelli, you know, he was on top of the world and then he got injured. And now, obviously, I'm not saying Bastellini will do that. Obviously, he has a better bike underneath him. But I think Morbidelli just comes to show, like, you you, you have to bounce back fast. Like, you have to be on top of the result mm. as, as unfair as it is, you know, in especially in Factory Ducati. Like, you, you won't get... you he won't get like a couple seasons to see if, if, if it's going well, like Morbidelli has gotten because there are no takers yeah. for Yamaha, you know? So yeah. I think it's it's not, I think for Bastellini's sake, I think it's better to get into winning ways, at least podiums, but I think preferably winning ways because the others are winning on the same bike. Yeah. And it's more of a European thing as well with, with Ducati and KTM. They, they just, you know, they will chop and change and that's just how it is. Whereas Yamaha are very, Japanese in the way that they'll respect the contract that Morbidelli has to then see out what their options are, which in modern day, is that feasible and is it suitable to the game that they're in? Probably not. But at the same time, you couldn't look at Yamaha and say, oh, I wouldn't want to go there because maybe they'll they'll get rid of me once signing me. Like they've always honoured contracts unless you've got Maverick Vinales who's trying to blow up your bike, which again, a little bit different. And I think it's special circumstances. Yeah, I mean, with Maverick Vinales, that's a little bit different because, well, he's obviously the instigator in that situation. And they still honoured his contract in the sense of, yeah, well, we'll see how things are. You know, we'll have internal discussions. They knew they were going to sack him, but then obviously mutually agreed, that's it, you know, that's enough. But with Maverick, bit different. Honda... I think are a little bit more ruthless but with Ducati and KTM and Aprilia I think if if it wasn't working they would just cut tires straight away mm. so I'm a little bit more worried for Bastianini with more the atmosphere that he's surrounded in not because I doubt Ducati but the European way of looking at it yeah I think you know Obviously, they were quick to turn down the rumors of, of you know, them switching switching Martin, Martin and Bastianini when, when it came apparent that they have actually a contract like that. So uh, where, they, where they could tip to the, theoretically switch up the teams. <laughs> but, but even though even though that is, I think, still, you know, it's, it's always a possibility. Like, you know, when, when there's a will, there's a way. And mm. that's, that's just 
did do reality. So I think I don't think it would be unheard of. But I think yeah. Yeah, and if you're Bastianini and Ducati demote you, if you like, to Pramac, do you at all even think about, okay, the, the plan is to get back to Factory Ducati. My plan would be, and especially with Carlo Panat, which is Bastianini's manager, I can definitely see that being taken as, well, if that's your view of us, then we'll go somewhere else, which you would be f fully entitled to, to think that if you had been given trust, been given the opportunity, had it taken away from you through no fault of your own, no through no fault of Ducati, but then not mutually be able to look at it as a as a way of let's work together to get back. If you know that 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 team can't do that, that would not want uh, you know I would not want my rider going back to a team that that gets rid of them for that reason. So yeah, it's it's a funny one with Bastianini and Martin and Bezecchi, but. You know, we we can go around for a, a month of Sundays talking about that because it seems to be a never-ending topic of conversation until we actually find out for definite who is in that seat for next year. So I'm going to ask for Moto3 and Moto2, any prediction at all, whether it's a race winner, whether it's somebody you think is going to get hyped up and maybe crash out or maybe a, a sort of a, a dark horse that you think will have the best performance of the season. Anyone coming to mind? Anyone coming to mind? I think this one is difficult. I think I think Silverstone, I, I don't know why I get the sense, but I think this is somewhere that Dennis Andrew could do well. You know, he doesn't have the big straights that usually bring him down, and I think he's, he's showed fast corner speed in many tracks. So I think this one could be could be something he could really do well at and if you can you know get get the ball rolling from the first the first day on what i think that's that, that that would be very crucial and i think i think he, he could do really well here obviously you never know uh, yeah, but I, I, agree. yeah. I agree i agree i think dennis Antri will do well i think romano fanati will have the best performance of the season Ooh. here i think romano fanati pure and simply because in 2021 he absolutely wiped the floor with everybody and it wasn't a bike thing from fp1 i think feel free to correct me here anyone listening but i seem to remember fp1 i think he was like eight tenths quicker than anyone else and by like race day he won by like nine seconds or something he, he was just and that was believe it or not this this could be a quote within itself this was romano fanati taking it easy because it was don't go and push 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 and crash just you know make a gap and just sustain the gap and I, if, if memory serves me right that was Mino and Foggia in a group of two behind him by about seven or eight seconds and then another reasonable gap back to the 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 pack if you like and you look back and think of it and you're like so if he would have pushed, and if it wasn't for Foggia and, and Mino, he would have been like 14 seconds in front of everybody else. So quite clearly in Moto3, if you have a gap like that, it's it's you more than the bike. Yeah, you. I think I remember hearing about this. Wasn't this the weekend he led every session? session? Like yeah. he, he topped every session? I'm pretty session sure like it that, was. And I'm saying that I off of just pure memory. I'm, I'm sure it would have been. Yeah. I mean, that's... That is some form that he, you know, if he can reharness that, obviously it's gonna turn out well. So I don't think that's a bad shout at all. So in FP1, he was 0.66 quick, 
quicker than anybody else. So, he, you know, he, he kind of put the marker down instantly in 2021. Um, and FP2, as I look now, yep, he was topping that session as well. So he must have topped every single session. Um, he, he was just miles ahead of absolutely everybody. So that's my pick for my dark horse, if you like. I think Romano Fanati has had a very underwhelming year. Um, just... Yeah, definitely not not what was expected, you know, when you, no. when you talk about a guy with his experience as a skill, you know, not even just experience, but he has won a lot in modern yep. race. So it's just, it's mystifying why it hasn't gone his way this far. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to look at it and think it could be the bike because that team mm. have not been anywhere for a couple of years since Arbolino was on it. But at the same time, like you say, we're, we're talking about Romano Finati as a serial winner in Moto3 and when gone to Moto2 and referred back to Moto3, has always shown his talent on the lightweight class. So it does make you question what's gone on there, whether it is him, whether it is both the riders and the bike is all right. Or I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think, to be honest, I think this could be his last year in Moto3. I'd be amazed if he's there again next year unless he's bringing in sponsors that help the team fund for that year, which for somebody with his, with his experience is likely. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird one with Fanati, but I do think credit to him. I think he, he will do well at the track he's done well at in the past. Moto2, I've said Jake Dixon. I do think that this could be a track, although it is, I think it's safe to say Silverstone is one of the hardest tracks on the calendar because of the the complexity and the the contrast of the amount of corners. You've got high-speed corners, you've got low-speed corners, you've got chicanes, you've got long straights, you've got you've kind of got a bit of everything apart from maybe elevation. So I think from a Moto2 point of view, when you're learning to ride the bike from a Moto3 gone to Moto2 point of view, I was going to say I think Izan Guevara might do better than what he's been doing. But it's such a hard track to judge on people going there for a first time. So I'm not sure, but I I think I'm more craving the improvement for Izan Guevara because I I think he's got such so much talent. I think it would be ridiculous in my mind to even imagine him never making it work in Moto Two. So I'm not sure, but I think I think he's somebody that after this year will pick up. I hope he really does pick up. And fingers crossed, we have Rory Skinner. Hopefully he does well. And I do think Jake Dixon is our, is our main hope and focus, which does bring us on to the last Brit, which we believe we didn't mention in the last podcast off the top of my head, with Sam Lowe's moving to World Superbikes next year on a V4 Ducati with Mark VDS. So with that, Salach has been announced as his, as his replacement for 2024, just remembering what year we were in then. Um Good move, I think, personally. I think that's a really good move. I think he's earned it. And I think he'll do really well. Hopefully, if Arbolino goes to MotoGP, I would love to see Barry Baltus on that second seat, being a Belgian in a Belgian team and a rider that has outperformed the bike he's been on. But Philip Salach to Mark VDS, Elisa, thoughts? I think that's a great move. You know, we have seen Philip Salach make, make a great step up this year. So I think it's about time that he moved on to 
uh, I think it's only natural that he moves on to some a team that has been contending for championship and winning them also. So I think that's that's a great move. And for Sam Lowe's sense, I actually I did actually say this on the Discord when there was talk about you know Mark Vidias go, going to World Superbike. I was like Sam Lowe's gonna gonna go with him. But yeah, I yeah, think that's an awesome awesome step up for him. And I think lovely to see the brothers Lowe's brothers racing together. And yeah. I think you know the Ducati is the bike to be on in World Superbike. So I think that. They both couldn't go better, and I just, you know, you know, I love it when a relationship between team and rider is so thick that they can do a switch up like this, and it it's working. Like, I just like it. Yeah, I, I totally sympathise with that point of view on on a team and rider bond because I, I'd be the first person to say, and I think Sam Lowe's would even put himself at the front of that queue. Of there's been times where Sam hasn't hit the expectations that he should have hit. There's also been expectations that Mark VDS could have hit and maybe haven't just quite at the very, very top to fight with the, the IOs of the world in Moto2. But, you know, for someone that stayed committed to Mark VDS, Mark VDS have showed commitment to Sam. I would say Sam needs Mark VDS more than Mark VDS needs Sam. And they've still honoured his respect and his commitment to Mark VDS. And it is nice to see them transfer over into World Superbikes anyway as a team because I think Mark VDS has been a staple in Moto2 for a while now. They've tried in GP, backed out of that. So if their sort of vision is to get back to GP, I think moving to World Superbikes and having connections in both paddocks will effectively help them long term. If it's not to get to GP, I still think it's a benefit having kind of two fingers in two different pies in the sense of World Superbikes and in in Moto2. That second seat, if Arbolino goes, who would you like to see in that seat? Oh, I think that's a difficult question. I mean, I, I like I like your shout for Barry, Barry Baltas. I, I can't pronounce any names anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm just... I think another name I'd like to see would be Senaragius. I think he's he showed... Mm great form when he got put in there as a, as a replacement rider at Austria last year if memory serves me right I know it was Austria but I can't remember if it was last year or the year before I think it was last year um, he's shown great form in the junior GP if you like scene the European championship along with Carlos Tatai which obviously is in full recovery thank god we found out that he's all right He's on the road to recovery. Senna Aegis is also injured at the minute. I think he broke his collarbone, if memory serves it right. Um, but Senna Aegis has been phenomenal in European Championship, and I think he's a, I think he's a step above that. So I think he deserves a ride in Moto2. Whether that be with the Liquimoli team, I'm not sure. But he has obviously rode for Mark VDS before, so he does have a little bit of a connection with VDS. Um so maybe we'll have Salach and Arbolino. Maybe we'll have Salach and whoever you're going to suggest. <laughs> I'm say I'd like to see Fermin Aldeguer get a shot at something Ooh, else. Like score now we're I think, talking. I think I think I think he's gonna. Obviously, it hasn't been the same thing as what Alonso Lopez has done so far in Moto Two these past two years. But I think he's he's so young and he still shows speed. So I think I'd like to see him in a different setup so what he can do. Obviously Mark Vidias has a lot of expectations, but you know, we have seen them gone through riders and really development into something of a championship contender. You know, you've seen I think 
Am I wrong? Was Alex Marquez a rider for them? For, yes, for Vermont, yes. yes, yeah. Yes, he was a, quite some time. So I think Fermin Aldeguer could be, I think he could be a force in the championship, you know, coming forward. And he's, as I said, he's so young, he has a lot of time in, in his side. So I think that that would be a good move for him. Yeah, that would be a move I would love to see. But Fermin Aldeguer, I believe... I could be wrong here, but I think last year signed a four-year deal or a three-year oh, deal. Yeah. With, yeah, no, it was a big oh. deal. It was. I'm, sh- I'm honestly, I'm I'm sure. Well, he would have had a release clause if anything came in for oh. GP, wouldn't it? He would have had a clause yeah. in it to say I can go if it's to GP. But I'm oh. pretty sure he signed like a big deal with Speed Up or sorry, well, Bosco Scora. Yeah, um, that then kills my chances. But I mean, still, I can a girl can dream, you know. I'll have a look if it was the case, unless I'm I've dreamt that. Um, Sposkoskora contract. I'm sure it was for like four years. Um, but yeah, that this Aldeguer confirmed to have MotoGP offers for 2024. Apparently, that's that's a rumor that he's that he's put out. Um, again, he is. I'm pretty sure is, is Aldeguer 17. I think he's 18, 17, 18, 18 something 17. like that. Um, but yeah, he's he's got the world at his fingers, really, I think, Aldegar. I think he's got everything in front of him. He just needs to put it together and piece it together and have a good run in Moto2. And then I think before you know it, you could see him in MotoGP. But enough of transfer talk. Silverstone as a whole kind of rounded that off. Um, done, a few, done a few classes. Anything else you want to mention? Are you on about... The wild yes. card? No, actually, I was going to say we have the change in the format now. So that was confirmed. With oh, the of course. Change that, yes. So I think this was a much needed change. We were discussing this earlier, obviously, with the fact that uh, with the fact that every season in MotoGP now is, is timed and it, it puts so much pressure on the riders. And now we have to switch that only the second practice on uh, on a Friday is going to be time for the qualifying. And I think that's much needed for for the change. And I think hopefully we'll see. Only the Carber oh. Fridays. <laughs> yeah, isn't it FP1? Obviously, that's not timed. But then it, isn't it FP? And then Saturday morning is FP2 or yeah. something like that, I think. But I think only FP, like the one on Friday afternoon, is timed. Yes, so, yes. Yes. I mean... Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm not going to go into the whole sprint thing, but the, the format, it, it could have been so, so, so much easier in terms of how they've gone about it and so much, uh, yeah, the logistics of it don't make any sense as to why it's taken them this long to to do this. But the fact that they have, I suppose, is a step in the right direction. Um, what I was referring to was obviously the wild card that I mentioned a minute ago was we have Cal Crutchlow, who will be appearing at Mategi under the Yamalube, um I forget what it's called, actually. I think it's the Yamalube, is it RSGP or something like that team? I forget what the, the, the last tail end of it is, but um, Cal Crutchlow will be back. He will be back racing for Yamaha, as they typically, in years gone by, have had Yamaha wildcards in, in Mategi. And in other races, but typically with it being the home race, they've had wildcard appearances. We've mentioned Laquona, obviously coming in for Alex Rins. And if memory serves you right, I think that's everything on GP, unless I've completely forgotten everything again. Um, the format's changed. 
And that's everything, I believe. Yes, I think that's about everything with the player pressure rule also being enforced now. But I think that's just wait and see thing. What's going to happen? You know, maybe yeah. we'll have ton of tire pressure penalties coming off Silverstone to discuss. You know, yeah. to kick off the <laughs> kick off the season, the second half of the season in a good way. I'm joking. Yeah. I, I I'd hate for that to happen. But obviously, I think it's going to be something we see how much of an effect will it will have on racing. It's really hard to predict until now. So yeah. It would be very MotoGP stewards to punish half of the grid and Laquona be on the podium because of 19 penalties to every rider in front of him because of tyre pressures and enforcing it from the minute go. That would be so MotoGP for that to happen. But like Elisa says, but I think we'll kind of wait until that comes into, into play a little bit more to go off of it for an example, if someone does get penalised for it, to see how they are playing it out with their, their role of enforcing it. Yeah. So that has been us. Just a quick one uh, this week to get us in the in the zone for Silverstone. We will be back next week with our review of Silverstone and much more. So if you've enjoyed it, please leave a rating on the audio platform that you are listening to us on. If you want to follow any of our links, that's on our Twitter and on our Instagram through our link tree at Red Sector GP. You can follow all of our things from there, all of our socials, and get involved with the Discord. That's been me, that's been Elisa, and with that, keep the throttle pinned. <laughs>